Hi, this is Janine. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and I am getting ready to speak with Bill Yassis. He's the former White House pastry chef who has this beautiful book, which is really making me very hungry right now, called The Sweet Spot, Dialing Back Sugar and Amping Up Flavor. Bill was always a phenomenal pastry chef who felt that sugar should be a grace note to a good dessert not the foundation for one. After being hired as President George W. Bush's White House pastry chef, he found himself making these really elaborate desserts with very traditional sugar sculptures and fancy confections. But when the administrations changed and the Obamas moved in, Bill found a kindred spirit in the First Lady. Michelle was very worried, like most parents, about what her kids were eating, and no one wanted to get rid of dessert, so they just wanted to make it healthier. Over the last 10 years, Bill has honed his theory that a good dessert does not need to lean on sugar to be delicious. A good dessert delights and amuses. A good dessert hits the sweet spot and can be done with 65% less sugar and far less fat than we imagined. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Bill Yassis. Hi, Bill. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. I have really enjoyed reviewing your book. It's made me want to just jump into the kitchen and bake. (laughs) Good. That's the point. Thank you. Tell me, before we even get started, you do a dedication to the magician. Is it uh, Michel Richard? Yes, Michel Richard or Richard. He was French. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was really uh, kind of a mentor to me, a fantastic chef. Uh, He was in L.A. for many years and uh, had great success there with a restaurant called Citrus. Um, And his bakery, I think his Michel Richard Bakery still exists. Um, And um, he really inspired me, helped me a lot, and he passed away last year, uh, much to uh, many people's sadness, because he was was a magician. He just did the most amazing things with food, and so... uh, Loved him a lot. His name sounded so familiar, that's why I brought it up. Oh, he's a big L.A., yeah, uh, feature, yes. He famously did a uh, a big dinner for Julia Child for her 75th birthday, oh. in which it was like really every name in the world came out for, and uh, Michelle had put that together. I One think that's why I, I, I heard of his name before, yes. Yeah. So I love the backstory of this book, uh, how you were called in to uh, have a meeting with Michelle Obama. Could you share that story? Yeah, it was very early in, uh, in her tenure, and, and the president, uh, they had just moved in and, like, you know, had to do all, put the furniture where, and where it belongs and all that. And, and uh, she asked the chefs to come and work with her on her project called Let's Move, which we did, and which was based around the idea of, better health and wellness uh, related to food. And so she had noted that obesity and diabetes rates were climbing. And so we all kind of worked on talking with kids and going to schools, and and the famous garden was planted at that time. And so we used the garden as kind of a symbol. I love it. I'm I'm a mom, and... You know, I I really do try to monitor how much sugar, because sugar, too much sugar can be very toxic, especially mm-hmm. to kids. You know, it can affect their sleep, everything, moods. Yeah, um, yeah, and long term, it's very damaging. Right. So, but you know, we we don't really want to eliminate dessert, but we do want to tweak it in a way that it's there are better options. And I, mm-hmm. I I'd love you to talk about um, the seven pillars pillars of healthier desserts. I like what you mentioned in here. Yeah, so that's the point. The point is that we're not we're not talking about depriving people of dessert. 
Uh, and what, what we want is to use great ingredients, small, serve small portions, which you're satisfied with less when the dessert is really good, and, and maybe less frequently, so we're not eating dessert every day. Uh, even as a pastry chef, I feel like I probably shouldn't say that, but uh, <laughs> and for long term, my customers will live longer if they don't. So um, I always say I'm not sure there is such a thing as a healthy dessert, but I do know that there is such a thing as a healthy life that can include some desserts. So um, the seven pillars was my idea of these better ingredients, no processed food, and uh, the the first one is less sugar. I mean, that's what we we do know that it um, keeps people up, that it's addictive, mm-hmm. that... Um, and we're not talking about a spoonful of sugar in your coffee in the morning. What I'm talking about is there's sugar in everything we eat now, oh, in I know. salad dressing, in soups. And when you think of these 64-ounce like soda bottles that has high fructose corn syrup, we're really damaging our health long term. So uh, my little contribution is to say there's other flavors in the world, in the world of desserts that we're missing if we dump too much sugar on it. So I'm talking about the fruits, about lemon, about the grains, about nuts, about spices and herbs, all of which we put into these recipes to sort of really make them come alive. And these vivid flavors wake your palate up, they wake up your taste buds so that you don't notice that there's less sugar in this dessert, what you notice is there's great flavor. Was there a process to creating these new desserts in the White House with Michelle on board? I mean, did was there taste testing? Was there a team of people deciding how to introduce uh, very them? Very much so, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we I had, uh, you know, a group on my team of people that bake desserts. You have to realize we're, we're, you're not just baking for the four people who live in the White House, but there are many guests, sometimes 500 at a time, 1,000 at a time. So wow. these are events which take place like they would in a large hotel for mm-hmm. banquets. Uh, so, yeah, we had plenty of chance to test these out. And we always would start out by sort of cutting back the sugar, maybe even a little bit more than we thought was necessary or good, and seeing how that dessert came out. Then we'd taste that, and if and often it did not make the grade, we would increase either the sugar or add other things like honey or agave or mm-hmm. fruit purees we used a lot. Until we got to the point that we called the sweet spot, where uh, we came to this realization that in many cases, you can use 50% of the sugar and still have a great dessert that tastes like a dessert. We, we never wanted to have to explain this food, and that, that's what I say in the book. We don't want you to make these things and then have to explain, well, this is a special version of this. It should be delicious and wonderful right from the get-go. I love how you're not taking away from the natural sweetness of things. There's a recipe for blueberry pie with an orange accent, and I, I love blueberry pie, but I don't oh, like when too. things drown in sugar. Yeah, that is, that's really the core of what we're talking about. Uh, blueberries themselves, I mean, what's, what's better than that? Nothing, and then yeah. for a dessert, you just add a little bit of sugar, and, and it really pops out the flavor. I I love things like sweet potatoes and figs, and I love how you incorporate all kinds of different um, recipes in this book. Yeah, so the the figs are interesting because uh, we we do a Provencal style, so from the south of France, and uh, what we what we were aiming for is to to bring in some flavors that were unusual, as I say, to kind of complement the um, lack of sugar, and we used uh, black olives, which is 
a surprising ingredient it in is. most desserts, I think. But uh, it really worked well. It was it's they're sort of a one of those flavors which is mostly you're just tasting the salt, mm-hmm. and we don't uh, we didn't use olives that had been marinated in garlic or they were just you know marinated in spices, and uh, it really adds a great combination to the figs and the crunchiness of the crust that helps too, of course. I, I feel like there's such a wide variety of recipes for everybody, whether you're a chocoholic <laughs> or, uh, you know, you love your fruits or your lemons or things like that. Yeah, there's plenty of chocolate. There's lots of fruit desserts in there. It's, uh, we tried to go wide range. And then we also kind of wanted to be inspired globally. So you have uh, spices from Thailand or from Greece or uh, Spain and South America. And we try to bring in flavors that uh, are sometimes maybe challenging for people. Like we use black sesame paste. Black sesame has a a sort of a, a very round and nutty flavor to it. But sesame itself is one of my favorite flavors. Oh, I like love white it. sesame with tahini. Oh, yes. In savory and sweet cooking. Like we have a, a sesame cake in there, which is just extraordinary. So black sesame is something that is often used in Japan, and uh, we had we made a great panna cotta with it in this book. There's a really intriguing one called the Lady M. Yeah, it's a funny name uh, because a friend of mine actually developed this, and I, I worked with her as she uh, launched her bakery in New York City. And uh, so I wanted to do a take on it that was original, but I wanted to give her credit. She's the wonderful lady that uh, created the Lady M cake. And um, so uh, it's a very thin crepe. The secret is that instead of using wheat flour, we use wheat starch. Now, wheat starch is something you find in Chinese markets. It's the kind of thing they use for dumplings or shopao, those, uh, you know, sort of Chinese baked items. Uh, you can use flour if you if you can't find the wheat starch or you're, you're not inclined to use it, but it makes the batter so thin that it just runs like water, and you get a very thin crepe. It's a it's a beautiful picture. I mean, it looks like a, a beautiful stack of these very thin, delicate crepes. Yeah, with the chestnut filling. Yes. It, it, it's a really it, it's a wonderful dessert. It's beautiful. Uh, I hope people make it. So I remember as a kid growing up in New York and seeing my first lychee and not knowing what in the world that was. Mm. Where, where do those come from? Uh, mostly from Asia, but also f- from South America. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, how to describe it? They're kind of floral, like jasmine-like, don't you think? They yes. have, they're a fruit that is uh, pure white and uh, has a very floral quality to it, uh, and I love them. Uh, again, we get those in Chinatown, although I think they're kind of available everywhere now. And here's the thing I have to say. Canned lychees are just fine. Oh. Uh, you don't have to use the fresh one. The canned ones have, have a really nice flavor. They somehow maintain their flavor, even though they're you know, sold in the can. But we, ha- we use it in a panna cotta, uh, and it's, uh, it's one of my favorite desserts in the book. I feel like there's such a wide variety, as I mentioned previously, but when I see popped quinoa chocolate cookies, is that you actually... When I make quinoa dishes, it's just like the boiling process where it pops open? Oh, yes. You can do it yourself. You can put it in a hot skillet and they pop. But these are it's sort of like Rice Krispies oh. where they're put into a pressure machine and then popped. 
so when you make puffed rice, you have to put it under pressure and heat, then you release the pressure, and that really explodes the rice kernel. Same thing for quinoa. So we recommend buying it. Uh, you can buy it in Latin markets, okay. uh, Mexican markets, especially in South America, and it comes from Peru, um, or online. But I highly recommend it. They're little crunchy balls yes. of, of flavor, and, of course, they're very nutritious. Oh, so I know. Pop quinoa is like one of the really... Uh, secrets of this book that I that I'm evangelizing about. I've looked for them, but I haven't been able to find them, so I'm going to have to look now. Now that I know. Where yeah, I'm maybe online is probably the best way. You know, you can get everything online these days. Do you feel it seems as if by having the Obamas in the White House, your your cooking styles and your openness is completely changed? I mean, this is amazing. She was well. Uh, she's a lady that inspired me and other people in so many ways mm-hmm. because. Her her direction was very authentic, very heartfelt, very her. Uh, these were not scripted moments. These were not for the camera. Right. Uh, I can tell you that she said the same thing in uh, you know in one on ones or small meetings as she would say to uh, in front of a camera. And um, it truly is one of the most important things that we're facing now because we're building up this health crisis. Uh, with the way we're feeding ourselves. And so this is my little small chink uh, in the wall to try to uh, bring up like a more rational, a more delicious, and uh, a more healthy way to make dessert. I think it's wonderful. I was really envisioning you leading uh, teen or kid cooking classes with this because I think that's where it starts. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We do that. We have... We work with kids in the Bronx, and I, I work I work with kids all over the country. Uh, there's nothing better than bringing kids in the kitchen, and they don't you don't have to give them a sharp knife. There, there's right. plastic knives, or they can just shred lettuce, or or you know they love being part of it. And the thing is, when a kid helps with the meal, they're much more likely to eat it. Oh, I know. I, I sent my daughter to a cooking camp uh, past three or four oh, years. Oh, really? Right uh-huh. here at UCI, and she came home with quinoa patties and little quiche recipes and it was fantastic she would never consider eating these things right until they do it themselves yeah and when you think about children i mean so much of their life is is really just directed for them you go to school at this time you come you eat this so when they have that opportunity to have some autonomy and some agency in their life like cook your own food they're thrilled they don't find it a chore at all so I never g- got to ask this, but I want to. How did you land this position as White House pastry chef? Well, it was out of the blue, totally. Uh, the person who had the job before me retired kind of suddenly, and he had been there 25 years. So I think they were a little bit at a loss, like, what are we going to do? Mm. And they picked up some magazines, and I, they looked at pictures of desserts in magazines, and I, I happened to have one in, the, in a magazine at that time. So they called about four or five of us to come and try out, and, mm-hmm. and I was lucky enough to be offered the job. That's fantastic, because it also takes somebody that's very open to change, that's willing to change, and not yeah. butt heads with people. And yeah, what definitely. you did, you know, with the Obamas was fantastic. It, it was, uh, you know, I enjoyed my years there so much. Uh, both families were warm and genuine and kind to me. Uh, it was totally a great experience. Uh, I feel proud to have had the job, but it also made me realize about 
the fundamentals of our democracy, living in D.C., makes you really realize how the genius of our founding fathers and this experiment that's called democracy that's still going on. Right. So now that you've left, I know uh, you're giving lectures on science and cooking at Harvard. and Yeah, it actually it falls uh, conveniently. It was just this week, Monday oh. and Tuesday, we did that. That was great fun. That's a course I've been doing for seven years. And um, it gives a chance to explain the science through food. And it also gives the students a chance to try out some new recipes. So it's the only science course that you can eat your experiment that I know of. I like that. And, and they, yeah, the students seem to like it too. I know what it's like to kind of go through these ups and downs and these funks. The, my show is called Get the Funk Out, and I feel <laughs> like... Yes, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I feel yeah. like if you teach students how to, how to eat well and take care of themselves, it makes such a difference. Totally. Um, you know, they're out of the home for the first time, and um, some of them have meal programs at schools, but some of them don't. And it's, it's not obvious how to feed yourself well. Um, and so it seems like this kind of thing brings a, brings a certain awareness to what we're eating and how it impacts our health. I agree. I just remember going, I went to Syracuse initially, and there was so much mac and cheese or just a meal program, and it, I just felt like I didn't eat so well at all. I ate a lot of mac and cheese in college. Um, <laughs> it wasn't until later when I started cooking when I realized there's, there's other things out there. Exactly. What are a few things you would like people to take away from this book besides a huge amount of incredible recipes? Well, I just would love them to get in the kitchen. I mean, that's, we wrote the book. It's, a, it's very funny. Uh, Peter Kaminsky, my partner in the book, and Kathleen Hackett uh, both have great sense of humor. So we tried to we tried to instill that fun that we have in the kitchen together, and I think it comes through. We'd really just love to see people in the kitchen, especially if they cook with their kids. That's a great thing. I have to say that's the number one takeaway that I have, and it's why I write cookbooks. It's why I'm still in the business after 30 years. Um, I really love being with my colleagues in the kitchen and, and also meeting people and talking about food and eating it together. I have to say, it's very av obvious you love what you do from this book. It's incredible. <laughs> it really yeah, is. I do. So I do, um, I do love it. Where can people find out more about you? Because I know we have to wrap. Oh, um, yeah. Well, my pie company is called perfectpie.com. We sell pies on the Internet uh, all over the country. Um, my Instagram is Bill underscore Yasis, my name with underscore in between. And uh, my, uh, my nonprofit is called Kitchen Garden Laboratory. Perfect. Kitchen Garden Laboratory is where we pull together these ideas of cooking and science and we take them into schools. Well, I'd love to meet you sometime, whether I'm in Me too. New York or because you are based. I'll be out there. Yeah. Oh, when are you out here in California? I, I, I mean, I go often. I don't have a specific date yet. Okay. But I've worked with the UCLA program, the Global Food Initiative, and, and you guys have excellent programs there mm -hmm. at your uh, yes. school. Yes. So um, I hope we can meet. I would love that. Bill, thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you, Janine. All right, you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, I am at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You can also visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And if you want to find out about being a guest, just send me an email to janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, -E -E, at kuci.org. 